morning. Good to see you today. If you are new, we are so glad you're here. If you come every week, we're so glad you're here. We're in a new series that started last week called More Than Happy. We've been talking about that there's more to life than happiness. And really what we've been talking about today, and, and, or this last week and then earlier today in our first service, is that what God wants to do through us and in us is more important than what we want God to do for us. What God wants to do in us and through us is more important than what we want God to do for us. So what's that mean? Here's what it means. God is more concerned about making us holy than he is about making us happy. You guys ready to go? God, God is more concerned about making you holy. In other words, making you Christ-like, making you a follower, than he is about making you and I happy. I don't know about you, but that creates a tension for me. That creates some anxiety for me. That's something I really don't want to hear. And I'm just going to mention that for you because all of us want to be happy. We're born with sin. We're born wanting to be happy. And this series is about God rewiring us through this Sermon on the Mount that we're looking at in Matthew chapter 5 and helping us to realize that the end result of life is not happiness, it's holiness. Oswald Chambers, who wrote a famous devotional book called the My Utmost for His Highest, he said, the destined end of man is not happiness nor health, but what? God's one aim is the production of saints. Now this morning you're going to hear some stuff that's, that's rather probably not the most fun stuff to hear. It's certainly not going to make us jump up and down and say yay. But I would almost bet you that every week of this series really isn't probably going to excite us because it doesn't make us, right? <clears throat> it doesn't make us happy to realize that God is less concerned about fun and vacation and, and everybody getting along and everything going according to plan and all of our dreams and hopes coming true exactly how we thought as a little boy or a little girl. He's less concerned about that and he's more concerned about producing Christ's likeness and whatever that means and whatever that takes, God will use it. God doesn't cause things to happen, but he will use them to make us what he wants us to be. Jesus essentially is calling us to follow him. He says, follow me. When he grabs the disciples off the boat, he says, follow me. When he begins to teach this sermon on the mount, he says, follow me. I have a little cold. He essentially says, follow me. Follow me in the valleys. Follow me on the, to the mountains. Follow me in good times. Follow me in bad times. We see an example of that in marriage. For better or worse. For richer or poorer. In sickness and in... To love and to cherish. Till what? Death do us part. We see the example of what follow me means as we recite those marriage vows. Follow me. Follow me into trials and follow me into pain. There's something about pain that that God doesn't cause, but he uses it. There's this 
quote by C.S. Lewis when he's dealing with his wife's death. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our what? The very thing that many of us, I realize I'm super popular today by this topic and exciting to hear today, but the truth is the very thing that we reject and the very thing that we don't want to happen is the very thing that God, as we trust him and lean on him, speaks to us in, in a way that nothing else can. And specifically today, we're going to be talking about mourning, not good morning, but mourning, grieving. Many of us have mourned, are mourning now, or will mourn. All of us will mourn at some point. All of us now, or at some point, are going to mourn the loss of someone that we love. And maybe there's some of you today, you're in the middle of that. And I I just want you to know I'm sorry. You're grieving, and you're hurting, and you're remembering, and you're mourning. Many of us can mourn the loss of a relationship You would not believe how many people deal with an estrangement. Estrangement. In other words, someone's not speaking to you or you're not speaking to them or it's complicated. But for whatever reason, you're mourning because a relationship isn't what you want it to be. On a lighter note, when I look back 12 years ago and I look at pictures of myself, I mourn the way that I looked then versus how I look now. We mourn. We even mourn for easier days. Sometimes there's days where I just mourn being able to do what my kids do, play in the backyard and not worry about it. And as parents, as our kids grow up and maybe even move away and have their own kids, we mourn some days where we could pick up our 50 or 60 year old child like they were a little kid again. We mourn things. It's, it's normal. It's healthy. God created tears for a reason. They're healing. We mourn. And this morning, I want to I mentioned how we define mourning. And yet God tells us there's another type of mourning that we're going to talk about in just a minute. He says, More than happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Let's read it. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. First thing we need to know today as we're thinking about this topic of mourning before we unpack Jesus' definition is that mourning is unavoidable. Mourning is something that all of creation deals with, has, is, or will. Some of you have been mourning and it feels like a season that will never end. Solomon recognizes this idea of mourning And this idea of seasons, when he says in Ecclesiastes 3, and remember, Solomon is not only full of wisdom, but the Bible calls Solomon the wisest man that ever lived. And he said there are seasons in life. There's all kinds of seasons, he says. There's a time for everything. And a season for every activity under the heavens. And he goes through this long list of different things that happen in our lives. Can I tell you today, what you're dealing with right now, whatever it is, how small or how big, it's a season. Well, pastor, seems like a really long season. I can't disagree with you. But it's a season. 
Some of us might say, my whole life has been a season. But if we understand the scope of eternity versus our scope here on earth, the Bible calls our life here on earth a vapor, which would seem like a a pretty short season. And he lists all these seasons in life. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot. He goes through all these different things. And if, if you're in the middle of one of those seasons, which at some point we are, read Ecclesiastes 3. Just go through it and look at it. But one of the things that he says in this, these seasons, he says there's a time to what? There is a time to cry. There is a time, I remember uh, before we had Noah, my wife and I, we were pregnant, we were excited. Well, she was pregnant, and I was excited for her being pregnant. And then all of a sudden, we, we go to the doctor, and we find out that we've miscarried. I remember going home and opening up the door, and I was as bummed about that as I can recall anything And we shut the lights off in the whole house. We didn't have any kids. We lived over here where Pastor Thomas and Heidi live now. We lived in this parsonage. We turned off the lights. We went in the bedroom. We closed the door. And we just laid on the bed. And we just wept. There's a time for that. And when we try to cheat that, it manifests itself in some other way. Mourning is unavoidable. Even when we avoid it, It's still unavoidable because it comes out in some other way. There are times to weep. It's okay. You teach, we teach our kids, real men don't cry. That's not biblical. It's not biblical. We're called to weep. There's a time not to just weep. There was a time where I looked at my wife, or she looked at me, it's been so long ago, and we flipped the lights back on, and we opened up the blinds, and we went back to work, and we went outside, and we went to Sonic, we went to wherever. There was a time where the weeping began to cease. There was still a a healing and 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 a scar there, and for some of you, it's a big scar, or it's a big wound. But let me tell you, the Bible tells us that there's a time to weep, And there's a time to raise the blinds. There's a time to move on. There's a time to say, we're not going to sit over here anymore and weep about this. We're going to move on. We see that with David. David weeps over his sin. And David weeps over the loss of his child because of his sin. And he tears his clothes and he weeps. But there's a time where he gets up and he moves on and he does what God's called him to do. There's a time to weep. And there's a time to move on. And there's a time to laugh. And there's a time to mourn. And there's a time to dance. Jesus models to us that he's not even exempt from weeping and mourning. Some of us know the story. It's the shortest scripture in in the Bible. And it simply goes, Jesus wept. Let's read it. Then Jesus wept. You probably know the story behind this, but if you don't, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Jesus and his disciples are hanging out in another town, and Lazarus, who's a friend of the family, he's sick. He's on his deathbed. And one of the ladies runs to him and says, You need to come and you need to go touch Lazarus. He's going to die. Have you ever had somebody come to you with their emergency? It's like their emergency. They want, they want their emergency to be your emergency, right? There's the, there's the thing that's the emergency, and there's the urgent, and Jesus 
sees her emergency as something different than the way she sees it because he can see something that we can't. That's good. Did you catch that? That wasn't in the first sermon that I did this morning. Jesus can see something that we can't see. And so what, what feels like an emergency to us, Jesus says, no, I got this. You don't know what's on the other side. And they go to Jesus and they say, come heal Lazarus. And he tarries. He takes his time. The disciples are kind of like, what are you doing? It's like, no, it's good. He's just asleep. What Jesus meant was, he's dead, but I'm going to raise him. But they just took it as he was delirious, saying that he was sleeping. And he walks into the town. And somebody that you respect and you honor, even sometimes you can kind of be disappointed in them. And, and, and both the girls, they look at him and say, Jesus, if you'd have just been here. They weren't trying to be disrespectful to him, but, but man, this time they let him down. They, they feel like Jesus let him down. He says, Jesus, if you'd have just been here. You ever felt that way? I have. If you did, I've asked you to heal their marriage. I asked you to take the cancer away. I, I wasn't just saying it because for my health. I meant it. I asked you. I, I fasted. I prayed. I did everything you said. Father, you said if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, we can move a mountain. James says... Pray for those that are sick, anoint them with oil, and the prayer of the righteous is power and effective. Lord, I followed your formula, and it feels like to me, if you'd have just been here when we were praying, if you'd have just been here six months ago, and Jesus knows that he's going to heal Lazarus. This man had been dead four days, and Jesus knows in his heart, in his mind, as parents sometimes you see your kids freaking out, and you're just like, you don't join in on the freaking out because you know that they're getting ready to get the surprise or it's all going to work out, so you don't join them in their grief. But Jesus walks in, he sees them grieving, he knows he's going to heal Lazarus, and the Bible says, then Jesus wept. Some argue that the reason he was weeping was over their unbelief. I can't believe they don't believe that I'm going to heal him. Others argue that it wasn't unbelief, that he actually empathized with them in their grief, and he began to weep because he sensed and felt their emotions. Maybe it was a combination of both, but in either case, God cared enough to weep with us. Jesus wept. Mourning is unavoidable. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Jesus says, God blesses those who mourn. And when we read that scripture at face value, many of us think that he's talking about God bless those who grieve their grandma that died. God bless those who grieve a relationship that went wrong. God blesses those who, who mourn over days gone by and on and on and on. That's not what that means. If you study the word mourn in this context, Jesus is talking about mourning over sin. God blesses those who mourn over their sin. 
Remember last week, we talked about being poor in spirit. Jesus says you've got to be spiritually bankrupt to be, to be connected to God. It says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those that are poor in spirit, those that are bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt. Now hang with me for just a second, okay? For every action, there is a... For every action, there is a... We become poor in spirit. Our reaction is to mourn. Over our sin. God blesses those who are poor in spirit. The poor in spirit react to the fact that they're poor in spirit and they're spiritually bankrupt and it causes something to happen inside of them. If I were to come in here and tell you that one of your kids were in a car accident, it would create a reaction. My words would be an action, your response would be a reaction. It would cause something. As we realize and recognize that we're poor in spirit, it creates mourning over our sin. See, mourning is an identifier. Let's read it. Mourning is identifiable. Let's read it one more time. Mourning. Do we not see this in Scripture? David starts to believe what everybody says about him. He's a king. He stays home for war. You know the story. He sees a, an attractive woman taking a bath. He calls that woman to him through, a, through his, one of his staff people. He sleeps with her. She gets pregnant. Nathan the prophet comes and says, David, you're not exempt from following God's plan and God's law. And you're not exempt from being holy. That child that she's carrying is going to pass away. And the sword will never leave your house. And in Psalm 51, and I won't read all of it to you, but in Psalm 51, we see David mourning or lamenting. And David says, have mercy on me, O God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify my sin, for I recognize my rebellion, and it haunts me day and night. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The prophet Isaiah says, I will bless those who have what kind of hearts? Humble and what? Contrite. Contrite means repentant. Sorry for. Sometimes we have to tell our kids or you tell your grandkids or your kids or your niece or nephew or maybe your husband or your wife. Say you're sorry. Why do I have to tell you to tell them you're sorry? You punched your sister in the face. Tell her you're sorry. But she looked at me wrong. The scary thing is, is that pride must die in you or nothing in heaven can live in you. See, for us to, to be poor in spirit, it causes a, a mourning to take place. And for us to walk the walk according to how God wants us to do it, pride has to die because pride, I heard, read this somewhere, when pride walks on the stage, Jesus walks off. When pride walks on the stage... Jesus walks off. When David became full of pride and he began to 
to lust after another man's wife and begin to engage in those activities. Jesus, I can't be there with you. I love you. And anytime you're ready to confess, anytime you're ready to repent, for they will be comforted. I will comfort you. I will forgive you. But until you deal with that, I'm out. I'm out. When pride walks on the sage, Jesus. Well, what do you mean? There's grace. Yeah. For they will be comforted through the door of repentance, through the door of mourning. When we mourn, when we repent, when we're broken over our sin because we're poor in spirit, we will be comforted. And mourning is temporary. I just gave you the the truth, but here's the grace. When we begin to mourn over our sin the way David did, you remember Peter, don't you? And Judas, they were both in mourning. Peter was tight with Jesus, and I don't mean that to sound young. He really was tight with Jesus. He had seen Jesus heal. He had seen Jesus talk about a kingdom that he didn't understand, but he trusted in faith. Lazarus was dead four days in my My rabbi, my master, healed him. He spoke words to him, and the Bible tells us that he walked out. Peter says, I will follow you to death. And he meant it. Jesus said, you will deny me three times. That had to create mourning in Peter's heart. It hurt him for Jesus to even say that. But it had to have hurt even more when he actually did what Jesus said he was going to do. And he wept bitterly over denying his Savior. Judas, I don't know what happened to him. Scripture says Satan entered him and he finds himself on the temple courts and he, he makes an agreement to betray Jesus. And at some point, he goes into mourning and he throws the coins back at the people that sold it to him. And he begins to mourn. But the difference was how Peter handled the mourning versus how Judas handled the mourning. Scripture says that Judas became suicidal over his mourning. Now hear this today. Judas became suicidal over his mourning and he goes out and he hangs himself and Peter could have chose that path. He could have chose to go that direction. Scripture says he he wept bitterly. I don't think Peter wept any more bitterly than Judas did. I don't think Judas wept any more bitterly than Peter did. But what they did with their mourning was the difference in their whole life. What are you doing with your mourning? What are you doing with your grief? 
You're boxing it in, guess what? You're not fooling anybody else. They know because they see it because you're edgy with everyone. You don't want to talk about it. You want to put it at a distance. Your child died 20 years ago and you don't talk about it. And you just bottle it up. You think that you're doing everybody a favor, but you've been a grouch for 20 years because you don't mourn. It comes out. It's unavoidable. Peter does the healthy thing. And he weeps. Jesus does what he said he was going to do. It is finished. They bury him. Peter hears that he's been risen from the dead and he appears to the disciples for 40 days. And it's during that 40-day period that Peter and the rest of the disciples are fishing, kind of, kind of coming full circle. Jesus found him fishing and he appears to him fishing. And John is in the boat He's the first one to recognize the man on the beach that's cooking breakfast. And he says, it's the Lord. Now you want to know what I would do if I was Peter? I'd wait till he talked to me and I'd kind of stay standoffish because I don't know how he's going to react to me. You know, the same way we do other people. I'd want to see if he's going to accept me. I might even get out of the boat and swim the other direction. But not Peter. He grabs his tunic. And he jumps in the water. And he runs toward the shore. The shore didn't have anything to do with it. It's where Jesus was. And he mourns at the Lord's feet. Blessed are the mourn, those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And Jesus comforts Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? He says, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? You know that I love you. And let's get to work. It's over with. Feed my sheep. Mourning is temporary. If you're in your life situation now because of your sin, we're called to mourn over it. We're called to feel bad about it. And we feel bad about it by being poor in the spirit and having a relationship with Jesus. It's okay to let God guilt you with your sin. It's okay. It's okay to feel bad about what you've done, but don't stay there. Judas chose to stay there when he hung himself. Peter runs to Jesus and Jesus comforts him. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And Jesus calls Peter a rock on which he will build his church. Blessed are those who mourn over their sin. Some would say, well, I'm, I've been forgiven of my sin. I'm walking with God. Do I need to mourn? 
Are you mourning over the sins of others? Does it bother you if the people around you don't know Jesus? Are you mourning? Are you praying? Jesus says, follow me into mourning. Follow me into mourning for others. Lastly, some of us are faithful to mourn over our sin and we're faithful to mourn over the sins of others, but we're tired. We're tired over the way the world is. We're tired over having to continue to pray for our spouse or someone else to come to know Jesus, and it's just not happening. We're tired. Paul tells us, do not... Grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Mourning is temporary. David says, weeping may stay for the night, let's read it, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Weeping may stay for the night. I don't know how long your night is. I don't know how long your night is. I don't know how long your season is. hold on joy comes in the morning John was called the revelator and he comforts us with this verse in Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 he will wipe every tear say every tear he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things. All these things. What are you dealing with? What have you been dealing with? What will you deal with? John is saying, and God let him in on it, all these things you're dealing with, all this misunderstanding between your brother, your sister, or someone that you struggle to even have a relationship with, all these things, your health is up and down and you continue to struggle with it. I've got leg perthes disease and I have to deal with this all the time when the weather changes. It, it hurts and someday I'm going to have to have my hip replaced and I walk with a limp. And I struggle to exercise because it hurts. But you know what? There's going to come a day where I'm not going to have that anymore. There's going to come a day where he will wipe those tears away because you're not going to cry anymore. The season of mourning is over and it's time to laugh. It's time to rejoice. It's time to dance. It's time to say, you know what? I'm not going to hurt anymore. I'm not going to grieve anymore. It's time to say, Lord Jesus, I worship you. I have chosen holy over happy. Enter in. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death. No more pain. No more sorrow. No more crying. Or pain. Let's read it. All these things are gone. You know what? We had a hard time reading that because it's hard to read when you're living it. That's why you didn't read it very loud. Because some of you are living it and you, and you believe it, but the wind's out of you. Can we just punch the devil in the mouth and let's try it again? 
All these things are gone. One more time. All these things I don't know why, but just about every time someone comes to me and they're broken, I tell them that some of my favorite words in the Bible are, and it came to pass. That came to me last night, so I looked it up, because you know everything on the internet's true. And I said, how many times does the word, and it came to pass, appear in the Bible? And in the King James Version, because every version has a different wording, it appears 120 times. And it came to pass. And it came to pass. And it came to pass. going to get better it's going to pass and it came to pass folks it's a season don't go out and hang yourself literally or figuratively don't don't stay in your mourning don't stay there. You're forgetting the last part of that verse. We, we talk about the first part. We don't get to the last part. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And when we come to God with our sin or the sin of other people, and we say, God, forgive me, or God, would you work on them? He gives us comfort for the first part through salvation. And the second part with his presence and his power to continue to pray. It'll pass. Hang in there. Don't choose to be happy. Choose to be more than happy. Choose to let God make you holy. I'll tell you what, this is hard stuff to even preach, this beatitude stuff. Gives me an attitude to preach on the beatitudes. Because it's about the kingdom of heaven and I'm not wired like that. And none of us are. That's why Jesus talked about it. And he knew it. When he started talking to those disciples and the Pharisees, he wasn't just on the Pharisees. He was teaching the disciples and everybody else that was listening and people that would listen for future generations. You're not wired for what I'm getting ready to tell you. So you got to start being poor in spirit. Poor in spirit's going to make you sick to your stomach and it's going to make you weep. But don't just stay in the weep. You're going to be comforted as you repent. That's the truth from God's word today. Let's stand together this morning. I don't know what you need to do with that. Maybe you need to repent today. Pastors repent. Jim, do we repent sometimes? Everybody repents. Now, repentance is not just saying you're sorry. Repentance is saying, I'm choosing to go a different direction. And all of us need to pray for the repentance of people we know. Maybe you've got a son or a daughter who's an adult, and you know they're not living the way that they should, and you want to quit having a burden for them. Don't wish that burden away. 
That mourning is biblical and it's part of God's plan. And that mourning is what's going to draw them back. There's going to be a day where they'll be sitting in church with you or sitting in someone else's church, but you've got to continue to pray. If you need to pray about that or something else, you can. Lord Jesus, thank you today that you have given us clarity through your word about what it means to mourn. Father, we can worship you today wherever we're at today. We can receive your forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I pray that for some people today, and I pray that for some people who are praying for some people today. Lord, we're getting ready to sing about your name. Some of us have heard this song before. Some of us haven't. But it doesn't make it untrue either way, Lord. What a beautiful name. What God wants to do in you and through you is more important. You're going to hear this every week. What God wants to do in you and through you is more important than what we want God to do for us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you comfort those that are mourning today. Father, for mourning over our sin, thank you that we don't have to stay there. As we confess our sins to you and receive forgiveness, Lord, in faith, you comfort us. Father, it's not long if we're growing and following you that you're going to give us a mournful spirit for those around us, Lord, that who don't know you. Father, we don't know how much time we have left on earth. Father, help us to live our lives in such a way that we point to the kingdom of heaven with our actions. Father, thank you today that mourning is temporary. Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a blessed Sunday.